Welcome home, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Welcome Home is a podcast where I, your host Josh, sit down for a conversation with different people who I admire and discuss whatever's on their mind, and especially focus on life at home in times like this. Wherever you are and however you're listening, thank you for your support, and once again, welcome home. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Welcome Home with the Katinas. Uh, I am thankful for everyone who presses play, and I uh, am so grateful that we have listeners who uh, are inquisitive and give me critiques and share with me the things that they they take from the episodes and things that um, resonate with them. And Like I did last week, I'm going to start off this episode with thanking everyone who, one, takes the time to listen to these, and two, anyone who uh, supports the Katinas in any way, Uh, whether that be just by listening to their music, going to a show, uh, watching their their live streams on on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or whatever it is, and um, or also giving financially to them. Uh, I want to thank you for doing that because any support like that, uh, that's why I'm able to do this podcast. And that's why uh, we're able to to come out with an episode every week and, and host our guests and uh, give you guys quality conversations to listen to throughout the week. So thank you to anyone who is a part of the community that supports the Katinas. We really appreciate you guys. This week I'm really excited because I have a guest here in the studio who is someone who I look up to, someone I admire, uh, and someone who is family to me and really is an inspiration to me. And so uh, that's my introduction for him. But I want to welcome our guest this week, Mr. Xander Jones. Thank you so much for being here, Uncle Xander. Thank you, Josh. So happy to be here with you. So glad you're here. Um, I've been looking forward to this now for a little bit. I've been meaning to reach out to you to come and record and and be a guest on the show because I think you have uh, some, you know, great perspectives on a lot of things. And you're also someone who, uh, you know, I, I consider, I don't know what the word is, but I guess I'll start with this. You're the first like man that I met that was not in my family, but who was half white and half Samoan. Wow. And it's, you know, growing up, I didn't have anyone like that who looked like me and had the same background as me um, until I met you. (laughs) And so uh, I feel that connection with you. And uh, I'm excited to just get into this conversation with you. Yeah, but yeah, love that, Josh. You know, and thinking back since you brought it up, um, I mean, when Janine and I, my wife Janine and I moved to Nashville and, you know, spent time with your dad and your mom and then you and Eli when you were super young, 
I mean, you and your brother and your cousins all reminded me of like, hmm. man, these are just like, um, you know, reminded me of me and my brother yeah. and, and my sister of just growing up in Samoa. It's just that your environment just looked different. You know, yeah. We're talking Williamson County, Tennessee, you know, mm-hmm. rather than, um, but, you, but you would have translated, you know, identically to how we grew up in the islands. Yeah. So um, for sure, it was a, a very cool uh experience to actually arrive here and be like wow it's like a lot of little me's running around <laughs> yeah. here yeah yeah i i i don't know if i ever told you that but maybe we'll get into that a little bit later mm-hmm. but before we continue on i just want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listeners some of them may know you uh i i think many of them probably don't um just introduce who you are and then if you could also share just what your connection is to the Katinas, that'd be great. Absolutely, Josh. Um yeah, first of all, just honored to be here. Um I have lived in Nashville, um, just south of Nashville, gosh, going on like fifteen years now, um, somewhere around that time. And I moved here from well, I moved to the United States um, from the islands in, in Samoa, uh, born and raised there um, in, in American Samoa, uh, you know, born at Lyndon B. Johnson Hospital, mm-hmm. the only one we got down there, and then um, was raised in the village of Tafuna, a little uh, smaller area called Petessa. And, uh, you know, Josh, you and your cousins have been, you know, to that village, and we've done things there um, with, with Katina Outreach. But, um, yeah, I actually... When I was growing up there, I went to school with your aunties, uh, okay. Motunga and uh, Miracle. Wow. Uh, they were schoolmates of mine at Samoa Baptist Academy. And I mean, the, those are the the good old days of, you know, running around barefoot and <laughs> uh, playing kickball on the rocks. But, um, you know, I aspire to ultimately like it, like when you're growing up in a small American town to kind of see what else is out there. And so after graduating, um, from high school there, uh, you know, I left and went and transplanted myself into Orange County, California, which was such a culture shock mm-hmm. for me. And, um, man, I, I, I went there to music, major in music. And, um, that's where I, I met my now wife. And those are some just such fond years of just kind of, man, I just learning what it was like to, uh, the freeway was a concept I had <laughs> never, you know, um, encountered before. And I, you know, I have a memory of my, you know, then roommate um, telling me I'm going to drive to Northern California for Thanksgiving break. I mean, I'm literally, I've been in the United States for like two months and he says, you're going to drive all the way up. And when we approached the on-ramp onto the freeway, I just instinctively started, you know, tapping my brakes because I'm like (laughs) safety first. These, these are big semi-trucks. And man, he was, he just yelled in my ear. I was like, are you crazy? You got to speed up. <laughs> and that's when I, you know, our little, our little hatchback car that we were in, I, I just slammed on it. And that was a great introduction into, you know, the speed of life in America. Yeah. After graduating, my wife and I, we, um, we, well, actually during college, I, 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 um, I, we have mutual Samoan cousins. Obviously we're all part of the big Ainga, the, the fabric of Samoans. Um, across countries and definitely across the United States. And um, he introduced me um, to you, your dad and your your uncles um, because there was a just a, a Samoan connection through just, you know, through the back connection. Yeah. You, you kind of your cousin, your cousin. So I en- ended up attending one of the Harvest Crusades they did in Anaheim 
um, just behind the scenes, um, you know, like a fake guitar tech helping out uh, Dave May with his guitars <laughs> and uh, going to Dave and Buster's with everyone. And I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of starry eyed because, you know, at, at the time, um, you know, y- your dad and uncles were really big on the scene. I mean, they were there with Billy Graham, Greg Laurie and um, and just, you know, co-headlining with a lot of people. And so I'm, I'm just 18, 19 years old and I'm and I'll say this, actually, one of my first, um, I had a, three CDs um, that I received in Samoa from a Sunday school teacher who came from the States. And the first uh, of those three CDs, uh, The Katinas, you know, the one where they're in t-shirts and it's black and white, yeah. um, was one of those. And I had no idea at that time, I'm, I'm, I'm in my young teen years, that number one, there were Samoan brothers doing music like that. Mm. And number two, that they were... Like I, I just studied the credits. I'm like, what is Goatee Records and all yeah, this stuff? Yeah. And um, as an as a kid growing up um, out there in the islands, it's just so distant. And like I was like, wow. And so getting to meet them was sort of a dream come true because um, me and my peers in the islands would would speak from a distance about them, but to actually meet them in California. And then when Jesse, after we graduated from college, uh, your uncle Jesse said, Hey man, come, come stay with me and my wife and our family for two weeks and see if, if Nashville could be a place to stay. So Janine and I, we, I mean, with our little Toyota Corolla, we just (laughs) made it over here and um, we've been here ever since. Wow. Shout out to uncle Jesse. Jesse was the hookup. Yeah. I, I actually remember the first time, I don't know if it was your first time in like Nashville, Franklin area, but I remember we were having some sort of a family event uh, at my my parents' house, and you were there. You had long hair back then. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, it's funny because back you were probably my age, maybe even younger yeah. at that time. And it's funny looking back on that and seeing, you know, just how the years have passed, and, yeah. and you're still here. But. I know, man. Well, and, and during those times, I mean, there's the. Uh, the famous uh, Josh Katina um, voicemail message on the answering this sheet. <laughs> oh, uh, we won't get into that this time, but I hope you release that audio one to the public digitally. One day, one day, Uncle. Yeah, well, those are fun times. Thank you for, for sharing that great intro. Um, you know, I don't know how much you've listened to these podcasts, but we do have a, a format and I do prepare a little bit for them. And the format is three questions for my guests. Yeah. And so... Uh, the first two questions are things that really I'm more interested in and things that I really want to ask you. But mm-hmm. then, And then the third question is more about you, Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that eventually. So yeah. I'll start with your first two and your first question. Um, you kind of actually touched on it a little bit in your introduction with when you moved to Orange County. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to ask you this because, you know, I think I've asked a similar question to my dad and my uncles before. Um, But I'd like to ask you, like, what was when you moved from the islands to the States? What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in, you know, kind of fitting into American society and things? What were the biggest adjustments that you had to make and, and... Maybe you still feel those today, but if you could share with me anything about that, that'd be great. Yeah. Great question, Josh. Um, You know, I think when you are raised, when you're born biracial and you are, and you're also raised biculturally, um, that is probably the biggest adjustment that I had to make. And I'll preface it with this. That adjustment was already 
the groundwork groundwork was already being laid in Samoa mm-hmm. because what was interesting about my life's journey um, and a lot of um, multiracial or biracial people listening might be able to relate to this is that there's a part of you that does feel like it belongs, but then there's a part of you that also feels other. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Samoa, I just remember being called Palangitoi all the time. Um, I remember before I even knew Samoan swear words, I <laughs> just remember walking home from school um, and I'm dressed in the same uniform as you know my classmates and other schoolmates, but kids from other schools who didn't know me, um, you know, they'll be hurling insults at me. And I, I knew enough of it, of the language to understand, okay, that's derogatory. That's not right. <laughs> um, but you know, you just, you take it on the chin and you, and you move on. So in Samoa, I, I was, I was viewed as a Palangi, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm of a lighter skin tone than the majority of my classmates. Um, but I was still able to form bonds and, you know, you still have friendships that just you know, really don't pay attention to that. And that's so beautiful. So, so, um, you know, living 17 years there, when I moved to Southern California, and then I went to a predominantly white liberal arts college for four years, I didn't have the vocabulary to describe what I was feeling. Um, I, um, I, I just didn't know that there was something brewing on the, on the underside of um, what was on the surface for me. And what was happening was I was actually dealing with resentment. Mm. Um, I think I might have been resentful to a lot of things um, and and about a lot of things. Maybe I was resentful that, um, you know, some of my peers had access to resources here in the States that I never had. So I'm mad about that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm also mad that maybe um, my preparation for college wasn't as sufficient as it could have been. You know, Mm. I'm like, I... Um, I, I absolutely adore my teachers and I, um, and I applaud all the educators in um, American Samoa for what they're doing and how they're preparing. But, um, you know, just like any small town in America, yeah. you, you, you only have what you have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe I was bitter about that too. But then um, I remember some of my first um, Sundays and weekends that I spent in college what did I have with me? I had Aloha shirts and EFI gangas <laughs> and I I was invited to go to church with a friend and I proudly wore my, you know, kukui nuts or whatever ula I had, which is, you know, the Polynesian necklace. Um, there are a lot of kinds. And so I, I'm really still dressed and I had flip-flops and it was like, you know, in the 60s or 50s and I, you know, temperature-wise outside, but I was still... I was almost trying to zig while everyone was zagging. I was like, you know what? I'm going to swim upstream with my culture and show how much I, how proud I am of it. Um, so I was resentful about um, the music we were listening to because I grew up on um, a lot of uh, Kirk Franklin. Obviously, your 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 dad and uncles. Um, I was listening to like Donnie McClurkin, uh, McClurkin and, and a lot of just really soulful mm-hmm. um tones that were so rich and i had no concept of of hillsong um of the matt redmonds and chris tomlins yeah. and so when i would go to chapel in college i was like man <laughs> what is this this is this is I, I mean admittedly i was saying this is just whitewashed this is kind of weak where are the harmonies yeah. where's the where's the the umph behind and the passion behind stuff 
it took me those four or five, you know, even the year after to really grow. I had a lot of growing to do um, with my uh, perspective on life, perspective on the world and um, embracing who I was. So I'll, I'll wrap that part up with in Samoa, I was like the Palangi, but in, in, in America, I viewed myself as Samoa and I, and mm-hmm. I actually um, still identify as a Pacific Islander first mm-hmm. and foremost. Um, sometimes I ask my wife, you know, like, babe, do I look white or do I look Samoan? And I'm like, she's like, you don't look white. <laughs> I mean, you look light skinned, but there are features that you still carry on that are so beautiful from your your heritage and your lineage and your DNA that, that should be celebrated. And, you know, when I'm here in the States, I still struggle um, oftentimes with, do I belong in certain circles? Yeah. And am I the other? And do I belong at the table? And, um, through conversations with people who understand through therapy, I'm growing in that. Yeah. That's awesome. Uncle. Yeah. When you're talking, it, it reminds me of, I wish I knew the guy's name, but there's a, there's a Ted talk out there. Um, and it's a man who's talking about race in uh-huh. America. And, you know, the main point of his, of his talk is that here in America, we're taught that, Race is real, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. Hmm. And what he was arguing was that in in actuality, it's the opposite that's true. Mm. That race is not real, but it does matter. Interesting. And part of me is ashamed that we haven't never really talked about race on this podcast Mm. because, you know, it's it's something that affects everyone's lives and yeah i know for me it's fu- it's funny hearing you talk about it because mm-hmm. i think i have you know similar perspectives on it growing up um you know growing up here in williamson county tennessee there's n- no other samoans here besides the people that we already know them to. yeah, yeah we're i know to them, them all and yeah. so like i never walked into a room or a group of people and felt like racially these people are the same as me. Mm. The the only group of people that I ever felt that with were actually my cousins. Wow. And and yeah. even with my own family, like my dad's side of the family or my mom's side of the family, like there was always like you said this um it was I was an other, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't full Samoan. Yeah. I wasn't a white kid. Mm-hmm. You know, even when then so it was my cousins who are half white, half Samoan like me. That's the people that those are the only people I knew growing up that looked like me yeah. and knew you know, yeah. I guess understood yeah. um who we were. And right. so, you know, hearing that from you and knowing that I'm not the only one who experienced sure. that. Oh yeah. It's and I'm sure you felt that way with your brother and your sister. Yeah. Yeah. But you almost had to huddle with the people who you know, and that handful of people who actually understood your experience. Yeah. Hey, you don't really belong here. You don't really belong here either. You're kind of in the middle. Uh, good luck. Yeah. 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 Race is something uh, being biracial, um, multicultural. I think anyone from that kind of a background, not just white and Samoan, but anyone can understand like, right. You know, we don't really necessarily fit into the, the categories that, uh, have already been established right, in today's right. society. And yeah. so it is a unique situation to find yourself in, especially totally. when you're young mm-hmm. and in elementary school or whatever. And, um, yeah, I just remember those, those things. And I'm sure you have your, your collection of yeah, memories, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's not like 
uh, I don't want to make it out to sound like I've faced, you know, crazy oppression or, or, or difficulties with that, but it was like a part of my identity that I had to wrestle with growing mm-hmm. up. And, yeah. um, it, there weren't a lot of people around that understood that even my own parents c- couldn't really understand that. Right, and, right. And, um, but I'm thankful to be able to talk about that oh, for with sure. you. And, yeah. Happy, and happy I, I think that when you came to the United States, one thing that I think probably was, uh, a benefit and maybe you agree with this was the fact that you came and went to college, yeah. which is a place where you go there to learn, you yeah. go there to grow, you go there to gain understanding. And I think that's yeah. a, a good environment to try and adjust into this society. It is. It is. And it occupies your, your time and your attention. So you almost, I don't know, you're, I'm, you know, I'm not looking for a job in college, you right. know, and I'm just, but I'm seeing just um, all, all this influx of people who, who are at the same age and sh- sharing the same youthful experience. So that was, yeah, you're right. It was a good entry point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's your first question, Uncle. And, um, <laughs> Phew. I'm glad we got to that dive into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll move on to your second question. This one's a little more fun, lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing that you and I share with each other, besides our cultural background, <laughs> is uh, we're the part of we're a part of the same fantasy football league. Yes. And this is true. You actually are the commissioner of uh, a famous fantasy football <laughs> league with me, my uncle, some yeah. of my cousins, uh, and, and yourself. And so, you know, I know there's some women listening that their husband or their boyfriend or their son or dad or, or maybe them themselves, they themselves their daughters, are a part of a fantasy football league. Yeah. Um, I'd love for you to tell us, you know, what it is about fantasy football that you love so much. (laughs) And, you know, for people who aren't, who don't partake in fantasy football, try and help them understand what it is. Because I, my wife, every, my wife asks me every, during the NFL season, every Sunday I'm watching games. She's like, why are you watching this team that you don't even care about them? Like try, oh, try and explain to people what fantasy football is and what's so great about oh, it. Oh yeah. It's, it's often been called fake football. You know, <laughs> it's for those of us who, you know, are on the couch and just want to follow something. But I think what's speaking of entry points into the United States, when I first moved to Nashville that, that year, like literally months later was when your dad, your uncles, you were in the room as a youngster, yeah. <laughs> man, you and Eli. Um, and there, you know, there was like a, a consensus of like, Hey guys, should we do this? <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Uh, it's this. It's this fantasy football thing. This was probably like two thousand five. Two thousand five, yeah. going into two thousand six, yeah. and um, and shout out to the original commissioner, Neil Otenero. If you're listening, Neil, um, we do not forget the wonderful years with you, brother, uh, setting us up. But Future guest of the show. Oh, of Future course, guest. no doubt. Um, so when we first got into it, I think we were all um. You know, just feeling our way through it. It just, it, you know, it, yes, I'm going back in time to the beginning, but it still holds true today that it ultimately it's a community builder. You know, it's, um, it kind of, you know, mimics kind of like elementary days and, and, um, and high school days, like where you just have a group of friends, um, really of any gender where you, instead of talking about the movies that were shown or anything else, we have this text thread, <laughs> um, and where we, um, it, 
every single day, almost every other hour, something is posted <laughs> in this text thread. But it's it's yes, it's about our fantasy football league, and boy, does it get you know competitive and all the wonderful and gorgeous smack talking that happens during the season. However, um, it has blossomed into something way more than that. Um, nephews, sons, dads, uncles, we are like, I don't know, man, we, we, we talk about almost every topic in this yeah. thread now. Um, and it's evolved over the years. But I think what keeps us coming back is the competitiveness. You, you, you This family kind of starts off with five brothers, and then you have the offspring and all these cousins who are just as competitive, you know. <laughs> and in fact, the offspring want to defeat the previous generation. And I think that is what is fueling it in such a healthy way that this thing is going to go on forever. You know, when I'm long gone, there will be, you know, many more. And um, y'all don't know this, but Josh is pretty much the co-commish because um, he runs the draft um, and is very organized, obviously. So in tandem, um, we, we I think we, we do a good job of keeping the morale up and trying to reinvent it but fantasy fantasy football is just fun because i think some of us not only love the competitive edge but it's like if we're control freaks you know and we like um making tweaks to something to to i think for those of us who love to optimize you you can go into our league settings and look at who's made the most transactions Mm -hmm. and i'm telling you you know people like josh myself and a a few others we are constantly tweaking this (laughs) thing and uh but i think we all also you know create the right boundaries hopefully for you 12 guys who are listening on this um we're making the the healthy boundaries to just Hey, it, it is what it is. Sunday afternoons, obviously, we're watching Red Zone and we're checking our stats. But, you know, we put it away, you know, when, when we need to and um, try to make sure our wives, our kids and, you know, those who are important in our lives get, you know, the attention they need. But it is such a fun, you know, oh, man. I mean, I, just that text thread alone yeah. <laughs> is just loaded, I mean, uh, with animated, you know, GIFs and all this stuff, you know, to, to, that just makes us laugh so we make our each other laugh and um but you know we are also serious and we can just you know, like cross over into any topic at any yeah. time um i mean any topic you can imagine we've already you know discussed it, yeah so. people uh people will ask me like what's your dream job and my answer has for for many years now has been I want to be the general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, yes. That's my dream job. I don't know if I'll ever get it. The <laughs> odds are not great. But fantasy football gives me the chance oh, that's to such be a good point. Uh, the general manager of my own team. That and is such so, a good point. In a way, I'm living out my dream yeah, every year that. whenever I have a, I love that. my fantasy football team. And I love how you, you brought up our, our text thread with you know the members of the league and... Yeah. I think it's it's like you said it's evolved from it's not just about fantasy football now but it's really just a place for us to talk about whatever uh, we've is on our hearts totally. and you know that text thread has been a way for me to grow closer with you know my cousins and my uncles and my dad and for me it's just a really good um, kind of it's a it's a place where. A lot of the men in my life who I look up to and who I I value what they think, they're mm-hmm. all there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's really important for for men to have, you know, other men to sharpen yeah, them and totally. uh, challenge them and joke around with totally. and, 
all, and, all of those things. And, and yeah. let me give your listeners um, just one tidbit about that text thread that is just um, shining so brightly over the last year. And that is the argument between the two generations yeah. <laughs> about NBA basketball yeah. players. Um, and it's basically this inside joke about, um, man... This guy right here who's playing playing tonight, he would have never made it in the 80s. <laughs> we hear that almost. We hear it weekly, definitely, sometimes daily. So we'll let your imagine, listeners listening, let your imaginations run wild on who you think would be saying things like that. And then there's this younger generation that just bucks up against that and like, guys, are you, are you, we're watching history in front of, these are some of the most dominant athletes we've ever seen. And the argument goes on and on. And you know what? No one wins, but also no one loses either. What's funny is, so we have that text thread and a lot of times my dad or one of his brothers will, will say something about, yeah, this guy never could have made it back in the the golden era, the 80s, 90s. And what's funny is me and some of my cousins actually have a separate text thread where we'll text, this uncle is so stupid. <laughs> this guy, he has no idea what he's talking about. And so it's a good place for us to kind of... Oh, think, way to create a safe space for you guys, yeah, the cousins. Yeah, yeah we say oh. things that we don't want them to hear, but we need to get it off of our chest eventually. But, oh, love that. Love well, that. Thanks for sharing that, Uncle. And you actually, you didn't say this, but you're the reigning champion of our of our fantasy oh, league for this man, past season. Fortuitous, man. I, I just, you know, it's all of a lot of it's luck. But um, when it's a comp- as competitive, because this league is like no other league. There is, let me make this clear. There is no money prize. No. Okay, there, there's just a perpetual trophy, mm-hmm. and the bragging rights of um, having your name on the trophy. So. It's an honor to yeah to win it. It feels good. We are still waiting on some of our league mates to actually get on that trophy, yep, yeah. and we remind them of that. Um, I, I think if there was money involved, it probably would be a bad thing for the league. I think so too, yeah. and, and and it's just, it's wonderful to just do it out of just wanting to have fun with with your your family members, honestly. So, yeah, it's a fun year. So we'll see next year. Every year, um, you know those who. <laughs> Well, all of us, but those who haven't won, they're just like, this is this the, year. Is the this year. This is the year for my team. And we, you know, we, we remain encouraging, but we know in the back of our minds, come on, guys. Yeah, you, yeah. We know who's going to win this. The list of people who aren't on the trophy, that that list is getting shorter, it's but getting we smaller. know who you are. <laughs> we know that, and you're probably listening, so, so you need true. to get on it. Before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Uncle. Those are your first two questions. Yeah, and, okay, man. Uh, um, I'll move on to your third, and this question is is what this podcast is all about, and I intentionally uh, make this question open ended, so you're welcome to answer it however you'd like. There's there's no rules or boundaries for this, but the question is simply this: mm-hmm. What's going on at home? What's going on at home? When I think of the word home, I immediately think of my four daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and their faces come to mind because so I'm married to a Filipino. Yeah, I, I mean th- this this episode is going to kind of revolve a little bit around multiculturalism, multi ethnic you know ethnicities and stuff. And so my my wife Janine, she's Filipina, and my so my girls are you know part Caucasian, part Samoan, and half Filipino. And you know they 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 have a 
a rich heritage to pull from. Not that anyone else doesn't, but it, theirs is you know unique to them. So what's been happening at home is we've been having a lot of conversations. Like just again, living here in Williamson County, um, their peers, um, the majority of our uh, you know neighbors in our neighborhood, you know they're they're of a um, a, a certain um, ethnic persuasion. You know that it's just dominant here. Um, you know, uh, it's predominantly white. And so, um, just reassuring them that, um, you know, it, it's not that we've had conversations about like, man, should we, should we move somewhere else? We could conveniently move to some place like the West coast or, um, maybe Hawaii that's so diverse, you know, and, 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 and even more so where people look like them or look like us and that would just be easy you know um and that would just lift our hearts and don't think for a second we haven't had those conversations that being said though we we remain steadfast and staying where we are because uh we just believe that diversity can't even happen and it, it won't even have a chance if you just don't plant yourself to actually create some diversity in where you're at and so um Lately, I've been thinking a lot about that. You know, the fir- the first question, and when I was describing my story, I've, I've um, in the past month or two have really been delving into um, different Facebook groups, different um, forums, where I am. You know, so if I live in a in a, um, a context like this where it's predominantly white, I thankfully the internet is there where I can go and also connect with those of, um, my motherland's, um, culture. And, and so now I've actually lived in the United States longer than I have, um, in Samoa. And that's jarring to think about because I've always identified as a Pacific Islander, but, um, now I'm kind of coming full circle to, okay, I've had, you know, almost lived two lives. How do I kind of, you know, meld it together and how do I set my kids up to, um, embrace both sides. Um, so they get annoyed with me when, you know, we're having Filipino food at home. Well, they, they might not be annoyed, but they, they just kind of chuckle when I'm putting like Tagalog music on, you know, because I'm always setting like some kind of musical mood with every meal. <laughs> and then, you know, when we have like pisupo or some kind of Samoan dish that my mom will bring and put in our freezer, like palusami or, 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 or kalo, uh, we will, you know, I'll play some Samoan music. So I'm, I'm just wanting them to just be, always be reminded of, um, you know, who they are, be proud of it. Um, and at the same time, what I've been wrestling recently with is, um, you know, how do we get both sides to reconcile? I'll, I'll end with this, Josh, when we're talking about being half, um, someone and half white, um, I have a deep desire to see the Samoan community because I think language is such a big part of it. It's almost like this membership card, um, that, um, when I was younger, my Samoan was better, you know. Um, and as I grew and I went through, you know, sort of an Americanized educational system, it kind of waned in its quality and in and definitely in the frequency of speaking with other Samoans conversationally. And so I've lost a lot of it. And so when you don't have that and you are in Samoan circles, it, you internally just feel like, oh, I don't. I don't know if I'm really a member of this club. I would love to be, and maybe I sort of looked the part, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. I, I qualify. And then when um, you know you're in white circles or just general American circles, you're also you, you also are pulling a card out and wondering if if you fit in. And so I'm hoping that you know 
Samoans, or really, if you're, you know, a f- you know, first, second generation Filipino, or if you're, you know, um, Hispanic, and and in you're of any ethnicity um, where you actually don't speak the native tongue very well, um, I'm exploring even even with myself and challenging myself and my own kids. How do we have? How do we reintroduce it in in a non threatening and non-shaming way yeah. um, where, yes, you know, when I say Tarofa or, you know, um, you know, Manuelo, Manuelo Asofa. Now, it maybe it doesn't sound, um, it, maybe it has sort of a, you know, American slant to it, but without giggling about it or shaming anyone about it, how can we have those conversations again where the generations that grew apart can still connect with um, their ancestry and their cultural roots? Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought up language because... You know, as a Samoan kid who doesn't speak the language, you know, growing up, that when I was around my my dad's side of the family or in Samoa, that was something that I felt a lot of shame about. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I even have experiences where I had an auntie or someone uh, kind of talk down to me because she mm. spoke Samoan to me, and I said. I don't know what you're saying. Or, yeah. I don't, I don't speak. And, and, you know, I don't think it was a, from a, uh, I don't think she was trying to be malicious, but that's just normal Yeah, is, um, you know, if you don't speak Samoan, how are can you, you, really you say, are you really a Samoan kid? And yeah, as a kid, I had to ask myself, well, am I, am I really? Because I don't know, uh, I don't know this part of my culture and there's other parts of the culture that I don't understand or I didn't grow up being a part of and you know it's even something where uh i remember when i was younger trying to trying to learn what i could from you know my dad and his brother speaking and i would try so hard to pick up little things from 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 their conversations and um speaking Samoan is something that it's hard for me because I know I have that accent Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. it's something I'm ashamed of. But as I've grown, grown older and, you know, a little more comfortable in in my identity and who I am, you know, I still think, you know, hopefully one day I'll get the opportunity to learn. Yeah. And if, if that opportunity presents itself to me, I'll be excited about it. But if not, you know, I still am learning that it's okay to embrace that I am Samoan and yeah. uh, that is a part of who I am. Uh, those are my ancestors just as much as they are everyone else's. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. That's those are really the conversations have. we're having at home is just like, yeah. is is being, um, you know, Samoan or whatever ethnicity you are, is it just the language? That's a big part. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't um, disqualify, I mean, discount that. However, there are other values and attributes about it that that you know can carry on too, and and also you know shout out to those parents who of Samoan kids who have moved them to the mainland, whatever mainland it is, whether that's Australia or New Zealand or or the United States or wherever in the world, and you know you're 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 kind of caught in between. You want the best for your kids, um, but you you've kind of left the islands and 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 hopefully you know it's still being spoken in your home but um yeah i think there's a way where we can let's pull the shame out and let's bridge generations and let's let's bridge geographical differences even in this age of the internet 
and let's lift up all all the sons and daughters of Samoa yeah. and um, and kind of bring them back um, in, into the Ainga and yeah. make them feel like they belong there. Totally. You know, I think I love that you talked about your daughters because, you know, I, I think about my younger cousins who are growing up, in, um, you know, in a community uh, a lot like how I did in, in a place where they don't look like uh, most most of their friends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, their their dad doesn't look like their friend's dads or their, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and things like that. And I, I would love to ask you because I grew up. It was just me and my brother in the house, along with my parents, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a man, you know, I would love to talk to you about how you've navigated raising young women mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. women in today's world. Um, you know, I don't know a lot about, I don't know anything about raising girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe one day I'll have a daughter. Very, I don't know. Yeah, very true. Um, so I'd love to ask you, like, uh, from a man's perspective, what is it like raising girls? And what yeah. are the challenges that come with that? Yeah, I think that, um, so in both cultures that I grew up in, the, the, um, the, a, a pa- the patriarchal or the the male leadership roles on 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 in in a lot of cultures um, are really they're kind of driven home they're driven home in the way you live life and also in what you read in, in the media it's like you know kind of it's it's a man's world almost um, and and there's a lot of good things that men can do but the undervalued underestimated and underappreciated role on and um, strength that comes from women. Uh, my mom exemplified that a lot. You know, when I was um, in my early years, I was probably turning 14, entering high school. Um, my dad left Samoa. Um, he's a Caucasian man, left Samoa to um, take care of his elderly parents in Texas. And um, that was a long-term stay. In fact, he still lives there today. Um, and so for 20 plus years, um, he had, he, you know, he wasn't there, especially and in my formative years. Um, you know, that's, it's, it's unfortunate, but he wasn't there. So my mom, a Samoan woman, um, just, you know, by her, I was going to say bootstraps, but by her slippers, flip flops. <laughs> okay. Um, really took the helm and she's always been, you know, kind of, um, strong minded, strong willed. And, um, and then you couple that with her faith, you know, because she she became a, a believer in the Christian faith um, kind of later in life. Um, you know, she's a force to be reckoned with, you know. And I think that your grandmother, um, as, as your dad and uncles will attest, strong woman as well. So I, I think that as I raise my girls, I don't want them, um, you know, behind every strong man is a strong woman. You know, there's there are iterations of that phrase. But I, I actually am kind of embracing the idea that there is not a requirement to need a man to find worth or qualification in this world. Mm. But I have enrolled, like, I mean, this is just an example. I'm using an example. But what's happening at home, over the last two years, I've enrolled my girls in online courses um, to learn, um, gosh, filmmaking um, and um, how to use logic mm. or um me and my daughter, we went and did a course together, uh, learning how to write a musical together. Um, so she, she and I were both involved in the uh, creating the story and stuff yeah. like that. They're 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 creative kids. I, I only bring that up because um, 
I really want to um, completely obliterate the, any limits or preconceived notions that I have about women or, yeah. or, or that the girls are being fed um, yeah. by media and by, you know, they don't have social media accounts yet yeah. because I, I don't want them to develop a structure. I really want them to um, just make sure they are so solid in uh, who they are and their belief in themselves um, that it doesn't have to be dictated by any gender yeah. or, or, or any authority figure or, or even any age group. It's just like, you know what? Uh, I, I hope that when I leave this earth, my girls can look back and say, you know, my dad, he, he didn't just tell us he believed in us. He showed us and he showed us to be kind of like self-learners and um, to teach ourselves and to have enough uh, gumption to like say, I, I can do this. I can do hard things. And yeah. so I'm, tr- yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the women in general, I mean, there are generalities we can make about how we communicate and, and just their, um, the beauty of, and the essence of being female. But I'm not. I, I would actually probably raise my sons the exact same way. Mm. Um, I, I I would enroll them in the same things and and try to exhort them in the things they're interested in. And so I'm <laughs> one thing that um, me and my girls, you, you know, in NBA basketball, this this so this you're really getting the inside track here. In NBA <laughs> basketball, the LeBron Jameses and all these stars, they all have like these secret handshakes yeah. um, with with their teammates mm-hmm. in our house. So this is how I kind of like. I would do this with my sons. When we say good night, me and my girls have our own secret handshakes <laughs> with each other. That's you awesome. know, I don't go to, I actually don't go upstairs to their bedrooms to kiss them good night. They come downstairs. We meet in the living room or they oh. come to my bedroom. And then we do these elaborate, like, um, <laughs> um, you know, daps to That's each other, beautiful. like um, where, I mean, it looks a lot like a, something an NBA player there. I mean, it's, it's so funny, but it's something that I think I'll look back on and be like, my girls will remember that about yeah. our relationship and who says you have to be a basketball player and a boy yeah. to do this with your dad. And it, it's fun. And, and, you know, I love them for it. That's awesome. Uncle. I, uh, I'm glad you brought this up and I want to ask you just your motivation because I've had conversations in the past with other parents about social media with mm-hmm. their kids. How old are your oldest kids right now? They're turning 14 in a couple 14. months. Yeah. yeah so soon. There's definitely younger people than them that are already on social media. Right. right. Uh, I'd love to. What's the reasoning, your reasoning behind, you know, keeping your girls off of social media? What, what do you think? What, why, why do you do that? And what do you think is a good time to, yeah. to open that door for them? Yeah. Yeah. We've had conversations that, you know, we throw out arbitrary numbers, like maybe when you're 16, maybe when you're yeah. 18, maybe when you're, you know, <laughs> uh, at that point, you know, they're making their own decisions yeah. and they're out of the house um, if, if they want to be. But um, I actually think it's, it's the, uh, the, sh- the shaping. Um, it's almost like you're being told, who you are and what you are um, by what's not being, it's almost like, you know, the uh, social media profiles sometimes or stories or reels or whatever, whatever they are, um, videos and, and, and photos that are being uploaded. It's all storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of awesome storytelling out there. In fact, we're in an age where the creative heights of our entire civilization is like at, at its peak creatively because we're able to share ideas and, and wonderful things. I think that, um, you know, this is such a formative time for the kids that I'm just, um, I'm wanting them to almost without being told who they are, find 
it for themselves um, in uh, the interests and... It's not like my girls aren't shielded from all media. We watch movies and TV yeah. shows just like the next, and they, they play video games just like the next kid. But, um, you know, our, our times and our discussions as family um, are more important to us. Mm. And um, around the dinner table, around the in, in the car, um, they pretty much look out the window. There's nothing to look at when we're driving <laughs> um, and, and, and any updates to look at. And we're just... While we're looking at, you know, the beauty of this earth, we're also talking about like, hey, how was that hard conversation with so-and-so? You know, they're they're not venting to anyone else. It's like it's a family discussion. And I really value that. But even more so, I'm trying to practice it myself. I, I, I actually limit my time on social media because, you know, we all have the social media rabbit trails that are kind of natural. Uh, you know, it's, it's the nature of how it's there are documentaries done about, you know, mm-hmm. how addictive it is. But beyond that, it's just, I, I step away and I'm just like, man, I just, why do I feel worse about myself, you know? And as I half admire and half envy and half hate, you know, some of the things I just saw, um, it's not like any, there is, it's like this unspoken competition, you yeah. know, and that's like, so can be so demoralizing. I'm just like, um, someone, you know, encouraged me a while back to just, maybe it's a book I read just to be more, instead of just an observer and a consumer to be a creator. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the mantra behind me enrolling them in courses and stuff. I don't want them to just be consumers, um, which is such a trap sometimes in social media. Like, well, if that one person already did it, you know, I see you even making your music, Josh, it's like you could say there's so much out there already. Why even bother? That's not the point. You know, the point is to bring something into this universe and into this world that actually can only have the DNA of its creator. Um, you could go into a spiritual talk about, you know, creator, um, our, our ultimate creator. But Josh, what you put out is is unique to you. Mm. No one else could bring the backstory and the skills and the life experiences to make that thing and that product and from your craft like you can. Wow. I'm trying to, um, you know, I'm trying to tell myself that, but also trying to model that to my girls that, yes, someone already has a blog about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, someone already has a YouTube channel about that. Um, but guess what? Your voice is desire to be heard by, you know, even the listeners to this podcast. Why are you even listening to this? And have you even reached the end of, you know, this part of the episode? It's because you want to hear what Josh has to say with the guests, you know? And it's like, whatever vocation you're in, or, you know, even if you're not even, you know, spending any time digitally, if you are a nurse or just whatever you're working on, the way you do it at this time and space in history of humankind is unique to you mm. and it deserves time, space, and attention. Um, and I, and I hope that all of us are, are giving that, you know, wow. that's beautifully said, Uncle. Oh, I, thanks. you know, one of my favorite, I could go on and on about, you know, the ills of the internet and the things that I don't like about it, but there's a lot of good things about it. And one of my favorite things is whenever I, you know, write a song or put a, put a podcast out there. Uh, I, I often think about, you know, one day when I'm an old man and I have grandkids, I'm going to be able to say, look this up on YouTube Yeah, and you're going to see what I was like when I was 20 or I have stuff out there from when I was like 15, 16 years old. And, you know, (laughs) Some of it might not be good. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay, though. But, uh, that is a beautiful part of it. And I love how you put that. There's no one else that can, can do things like I can or yep. like you can or yep. like your daughters can. Exactly. There's, a, there's only one of us. And yep. I think, you know, to kind of come full circle, 
um, you know, putting a spotlight on the individual yeah. and the the unique creation that each one of us is yeah uh is a special thing and something that should be valued yeah totally um totally but yeah i think that's a good place for us to end uncle i think so too man i think so too i mean we went from community and how you find your place in your community and then you know just kind of button it up with you know but also within that community and that fabric that's so you know varied and mosaic like um you you're you're you are a speck in it you're you're yeah. a, a woven part of it but you are also unique and that's that's what makes you know you know the, the whole thing work yeah well thank you so much for being here uncle z yeah i, I hope we get to do this again and i'm sorry it took so long to oh, get you in here but i'm glad honored, you're man. our guest and so um, happy. it's always an honor to be here with you thank you josh and keep listening listeners to this <laughs> podcast i'm an avid podcast listener mm-hmm. i'm listening to josh and, and the episodes he puts out share it with your friends too mm-hmm. okay because you know you have at least a few people in your life who, who could benefit from that just it's like you're sitting with the katina and their friends and just yeah. talking story man so I, I would encourage you share it amazing i can't do a pitch any better than that <laughs> to those of you listening thank you so much for tuning in We'll be back with more episodes soon. Have a great day.